Our text this morning comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Our text reading from the King James begins with the word nevertheless. The Greek word is the myoconjunction of contrast, day, and it takes us back to that which has been previously revealed concerning the reality of the destruction of these heavens and of this earth. So we would translate that, but he is now going to give us some instruction and some encouragement. He affirms that these Heavens, the atmosphere and stellar space are going to dissolve and be no more. He identifies for us that it's going to be on fire and perish in a fervent heat. And that prompts him in giving that information to you and to me. It prompts him to ask us the question because these things are going to be dissolved. What kind of person must you be? If the destruction of this earth and of these heavens was the end of everything, then our answer to Peter's question would be different than it is here. But because there is something else in the future, beyond the present earth, beyond the atmosphere and stellar space, because there is something that He is revealing to us we need to discuss within our minds and our relationship with God, what kind of person ought we to be. So before establishing what kind of person we ought to be, Peter establishes for us the reality that there is a new heaven, actually new heavens, and a new earth. And since there are new heavens and a new earth, our answer to that question is directed. He begins by saying, nevertheless, we according to His promise... Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Let's look at the text a little bit before we look at the application that is made to our lives. As I indicated, the King James text begins with the word nevertheless, which is a translation of the conjunction of contrast that we normally would translate but. He has identified 
these heavens and this earth is going to be dissolved. But, he said, uh, there is something that is beyond this. But according to his promise. The word according is translated from the Greek word kata, which means according to the norms and standards, and then it's qualified of His promise. Literally of the promise of Him. And the word Him relates to our Lord Jesus Christ. So, what is the promise of Him that Peter makes reference to? Well, we can go back to the Old Testament and find in Psalm chapter 102, verses 25 and 26, that this promise was introduced by the psalmist. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens, or the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. A great prophet Isaiah wrote this way as the spokesperson for God, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. We spend a lot of time in discussion about are we going to know one another in heaven and are we all going to be related in some sense in which we are related today and how is all that going to work out? Well, Isaiah speaking for the Lord before the coming of Christ said, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. So, so much for all that worry and anxiety we've had about dealing with some of those things. We are told it will not come to mind. Jesus Himself then, speaking of the promise, is recorded in John's Gospel Chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, saying, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So Peter writes, but according to the norms and standards of the promise of Him, we look for new heavens and a new earth. We look, is translated from prosdoko, main, in the Greek, and it literally means we await with expectations. We are awaiting with expectations new heavens and a new earth. The word new 
is not the word that identifies something new in time, but rather it is the Greek word kainos that identifies it's new in its form and quality. So the new heavens and the new earth are going to be different than what we have today as far as their structure and all that is involved in their composition. They are going to be new in form and new in quality. First of all, he says, we're looking for new heavens. And again, I point out that the word is plural identifying the atmospheric heaven and then stellar space uh, does not include, as we study uh, the book, it does not include uh, uh, the throne room of God where things are now being prepared for you and for me for this event that is going to come that we see identified as the rapture of the church that is being prepared for us now. It's under construction. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now he said that word, if I go, and if I prepare a place for you. But that's a first class condition in the grammatical structure. If and it is true. He is going to prepare a place. He is preparing that place. And when it is properly prepared and the calendar dates click that God has established, uh, He is going to come and take us to be with Him. And we're going to see seven years of tribulation play out here on the earth. Then we will come back with Him and establish a millennial kingdom of a thousand years And at the end of that thousand years, there being only believers beginning that period of time, the fallen angels uh, uh, incarcerated and Satan in the bottomless pit. And yet at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released for a short season and uh, he gets a, a large multitude of people to try to overthrow God. He is put down at that point. It's then that these heavens and this earth are on fire and burn up and disappear, and we look for a new in form and quality as it relates to the heavens, and a new in form and quality as it relates to the earth. We're told simply by the choice of words that Peter uses uh, to write new using... uh, Kainane instead of the word that would identify that which is a new in time, which would be naos, to identify that there is going to be a great change in the heavens and in this earth as it dissolves and a new earth, new in quality, new in design, is going to come to be. He says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. One of the things that we note that's distinct about the new heavens and the new earth as it's introduced to us here in the text 
is that in the sphere of that uh, will dwell righteousness. The word dwelleth is an interesting word. It's katoikai, and it identifies a continual dwelling because we're going to be in eternity then. But what is continually dwelling there is righteousness. Oh, how we might long for the day that there might be righteousness upon the earth. There is uh, much in the way of unrighteousness, the lack of justice, and all that we see, especially in these immediate days around us within our own government and in among our own people, uh, we find uh, the lack of righteousness. The word righteousness, remember, means that which is built in conformity to the specifications of the blueprint. That which conforms to God's plan. God has given us His revelation. He has given us doctrine. He has expressed to us truth. But we find ourselves victimized frequently by our own faulty choices that fail to conform to the plan that He has established and certainly affected by the choices of others who refuse to conform to the plan. In that new heaven and that new earth, there will be a continual dwelling comfortably at home the righteousness or the conformity to God's plan for mankind. That word dwelleth means not simply to live there, it means to be comfortably at home. In verse 14, Peter continues, Wherefore, because of that, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot, and blameless. The word wherefore, based on everything that Peter has presented to us at this point, on account of all of this, beloved, he addresses those to whom he is writing this epistle, which would include you and I in this day, for it is a an epistle sanctioned by God and directed toward believers. The word beloved, agape toy, is commonly translated beloved, but that word has lost its impact in today's society. It means those of you that are loved with a self-sacrificial love that keeps on loving regardless of your response. On account of all this that God has revealed to us, those of you who are loved with a self-sacrificial love that manifests itself in giving and continues to love regardless of the response, here is uh, some instruction. 
seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. Seeing that you look for such things is translated from a participle in the original language that literally says, as a matter of principle, awaiting with expectation these things as he has described them for us concerning the dissolving of the atmosphere and of the earth. Seeing that we as a matter of principle are waiting with expectation these things, those of us who are loved with a self-sacrificial love that manifests itself in giving and continues to love regardless of the response, be diligent. Spudas ate is the original word. It includes the idea of haste, of exertion, and of endurance altogether. All of the three of those ideas are wrapped up together in this command. It's an imperative. It is a command to be diligent. With haste and exertion and endurance, uh, we are to, with an anxious anticipation, wait for that day. But it's not a matter of sitting in the church and singing the songs and praising uh, the Lord. It's a matter of that equipping us to go out in the work in, in the week and in our work and in our play and to be diligent representatives as Peter has identified us, sojourners, foreigners, not living in our own country, but living alongside the locals to do the king's business. Be diligent that you may be found of him. We are to have haste. There is to be some exertion on our part. There is certainly to be the endurance, all of that bound together so that we may be found of Him. Hurei Thenai translated that you may be found, literally says making it your purpose to be found of Him, by Him, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how and where we are to be found of Him. And with that haste and with that exertion and with that endurance uh, that we might be found of Him in the sphere, the environment of peace without spot and blameless. The word peace, a reigning, we're going to take a look at and see how God addresses that. We live in a world of turmoil and in a time of anti-Christian influence and impact. We live in an age and a time when evil is dominant and yet we are admonished to be at peace. That when He comes, He will find us and in the sphere of peace 
and without spot. Aspaloi is a technical word. It identifies uh, uh, as it relates to your life and my life in the church age as well as it did in the Old Testament period to unconfessed sin in our life. Sin that has not been dealt with. Now as far as salvation is concerned, at the moment of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are entered into union with Him. It is eternal. His righteousness is credited to our account and we are holy and without blame before Him in the sphere of love. But we are admonished throughout the epistles of the New Testament that we are to deal with the issue of sin daily in our lives in order that we might be empowered and equipped by the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God is not quenched, but is made active in our life, so that we can live according to the design that He has set forth for us. Without spot or spotless identifies an injury to a lamb, and all the sacrificial lambs had to be without any kind of injury identified by this word aspiloi, or spotless. And in addition to that, blameless. When Christ came as the Lamb of God to meet the requirements that God Himself had established, He had to be without spot and without blemish. Without any personal sin that had not been dealt with in His daily walk and with out any birth defect. The word blameless means without birth defect. We are born with a physical birth defect. We are born with a natural disposition to sin. We are born spiritually dead. For that reason, we are unable to communicate with God, to understand and relate to spiritual phenomena, but by the new birth that comes when we call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. We are born spiritually. We are given then the ability to understand and relate to spiritual phenomena and truth. The expanded translation of verses 13 and 14 then should read, like this. But according to the norms and standards of the promise of Him, we await with expectation heavens new in nature and an earth new in nature in the sphere of which continually comfortably dwells that which is in conformity to the specifications of the blueprint. Wherefore, you who are loved self-sacrificially, as a matter of principle, awaiting with expectations these things, be diligent, making it your purpose to be found by Him in the sphere of peace, spotless and unblemished. So although the present heavens and the present earth are going to be burned up. There is a future. 
a future beyond this present earth. And because there is a future, there's also a calling upon each of those individuals who call upon the name of Jesus for salvation and profess faith in Him. There is a calling on your life. You have a mission here until you go to be with Him as a sojourner. The writer of an old familiar gospel song has long been forgotten. I tried uh, just recently once again to find who the writer was of uh, that song that I hum from time to time. And if others are not around, may may uh, verbalize, uh, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The message is timeless, though the original writer bases it upon the truths of the Word of God. He is unknown today. Because we believe God and because we believe what God's Word says, we're to be motivated to represent Him properly by living according to the biblical principles that are laid out in the Word of God. This life is not all. This is only the beginning. This is a place of preparation. A preparation for eternity. The new heavens and the new earth were promised by Christ Himself, documented by the prophets long before the book of Revelation was ever written. As we read in Psalm 102, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall Wax old like a garment as a vesture. Shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. And again, Isaiah having said, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not remember, be remembered, nor come to mind. Righteousness, conformity to the plan of God, will be comfortably at home in the new heavens, and the new earth. In other words, everything will be in perfect harmony with that which God has planned and that which He has revealed. When God created man, He created him in His own image in that He gave man free will. In the sphere of this present heaven and the present earth, there are three aspects of God's will that are operative in our lives. There is the directive will of God, whereby He gives instruction. There is the permissive will of God, whereby He adds some tolerance and will allow us, though that's not His basic desire and design for us, He will allow a certain latitude And then there is the overruling will of God when He says, no, 
you're not going there. You're not going to do that. Because man has that permissive will, we find that there are problems then in living out the design of God. In the sphere of the new heavens and the new earth, the overruling will of God will eliminate the presence of evil or unrighteousness. God will be the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords, and He will rule over the new earth. The church is identified in Scripture being made up of all believers in this age from the day of Pentecost following the ascension of Christ until Christ comes again. We are identified as the bride of Christ and we will dwell with Christ in the new Jerusalem, which is going to be a satellite city suspended above the new earth. We will have access back and forth and we will dwell there with Him. Now because we are prone to make bad or faulty choices, God has designed a plan for eternity. While we dwell with Christ in the new Jerusalem, that holy city above the new earth, all believers from all other ages, from the time of of Adam and throughout the tribulational and the millennial period, they will dwell on the new earth. There will be no old sin nature in the new heavens and the new earth. As a matter of fact, it will be a life of perfect sinless environment. There will be no old nature in the new heavens and the new earth because free will will have been surrendered and thus there will be no sin and the plan of God will be spontaneous and natural. Because we are prone to make faulty choices, I have on occasion prayed that God would protect me from myself. That He would eliminate His permissive will only reveal to me His directive will and use His overruling will to keep me in that walk. He's not chosen to do that as you might witness or give testimony to see. But in the new heavens and the new earth, it will only be the directive will of God because our old nature that we inherited as a result of Adam's sin will be gone. Because these heavens and this earth are going to be destroyed, and new heavens and a new earth are going to be brought into existence, there's some things that we need to attend to. First of all, we are to maintain an eager anticipation of the fulfillment of these events. Today everybody wants to go to heaven, but I meet very few who want to die. 
right now, that's the only means by which getting in, you get in to the kingdom and into the presence of God. He has an appointed time and schedule. But we are to have that anticipation, that eager anticipation of the fulfillment of these things. We ought not to become so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good because we have an earthly mission that we are to carry forth. But because there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, we are to conduct our lives in the sphere of three things that are identified in this text. Peace being first, spotless, and then unblemished. We are to dwell in a sense of peace. The Bible identifies that we can have peace with God, that we can have peace from God, and that we can have the peace of God in our lives. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of our faith in Jesus Christ, His sacrifice has been credited to our account. His righteousness, His holiness has been ascribed to us. Therefore, we are able to have fellowship with God. He is holy. And our inability to approach Him has been displaced with a now new ability that we can commune with Him because uh, we are justified by faith. We are at peace with God. But we also can experience the peace from God. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There is no room for fear in our lives as believers. Fear is a lack of faith. It is a lack of trust of God. And we need to experience and live day by day with the peace that is available to us from God. And then we can experience the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is peace from God, which is a result of our having peace with God, which is established by calling upon the name of the Lord for salvation.
Christ in chapter 14 of John, verses 1 through 3, said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. One of the characteristics that should profoundly mark our lives so that others observe it is that we are at peace. We are at peace because we have peace with God. We have peace from God and we experience the peace of God as we apply His promises and His principles to our lives. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And so we are to be found spotless and unblemished. Spotless, we looked at a moment ago, identifies for us the injury upon a lamb, and that lamb would be no longer qualified to be a sacrifice if it had some kind of spot on it. We are to maintain a life that is in fellowship with the Father through confession of sin that we might be spotless. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We will not properly deal with our sin beyond our routine confession of sin. If you haven't developed a routine of confession of sin, you're not properly dealing with sin in your life. Through the confession of sin, we become aware of what our weaknesses are. We we become alert to what God identifies as sin in our lives. And though for our salvation and eternity we're covered by the blood of Christ for our living out our design for Him while we are here upon the earth, we need to maintain that spotlessness. Too often times we focus on 1 John 1, nine after the fact. What we need to do is develop the, the uh, consistency of dealing with temptation before it becomes sin. According to James chapter 1, verses 12 through 22, James wrote this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted. Follow this now. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When lust then hath conceived, 
it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, that every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Filthiness refers to immorality. Superfluity of naughtiness is a political terminology used to describe self-righteousness. We are to lay those things aside. And we are to become doers of the Word, not just hearers. Our daily walk needs that repetitious use of First John 1.9 so that we become alert to our areas of weakness. And then when the temptation comes, we don't say, well, I've got First John 1.9 to bail me out. We recognize uh, the way out and we run for the exit. Spotless. And then unblemished. No birth defect. In our first birth, we were born physically alive, but spiritually dead. When God created Adam, He created him with a body, a soul, and a spirit. The soul was the ability for him to relate to human experience. The spirit was the ability for him to relate to spiritual experience. God told Adam, when he put him in the garden, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, the day you eat of that tree, dying instantly, you will then die in the future. Two deaths are identified in the Hebrew text. He died spiritually when he ate of the forbidden fruit. His ability to communicate with God had now become hampered. He did not die physically until he had lived 930 years on this earth. But both of those projections of the Lord came to pass. We are born birth defective then in that we are born with the body and the soul but no human spirit. And Jesus said we must be born again. We have to have a birth from above. We have to be born spiritually. We are born spiritually when we call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. In that birth, there is no defect. Christ's perfect righteousness is imputed or credited to our account and our sins forevermore are charged to Him. We might break fellowship with God, but we are born sons of God, and once a son, always a son of God. And so God has provided a means 
whereby we might have life and whereby we might have it abundantly through our faith in Him. Now in light of these facts, I ask you, along with Peter, what sort of person are we to be? Well, Peter's going to help us with that in the weeks that follow. We'll explore the answer to this question more extensively in the closing verses of his epistle. Having become citizens of the kingdom of God, we look forward to the replacement of these heavens and this earth. We've been left on the earth after salvation. He didn't beam us straight up to heaven to be with Him. He left us here with an appointment. We are sojourners. We are foreigners. Not living in our own country, but living alongside the local citizens to do our King's business. As we await for these things to happen, We're to operate in the sphere of peace, maintaining spotlessness through the use of 1 John 1 9. And uh, that has been given to us, that ability and process has been given to us as a result of a new birth. Once again, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It all begins at salvation. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I suppose we would sing in harmony, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Though some might want to say, well, you don't have to come today. There's some other things to do. But God has His plan for us. And His plan for us is that we are to be sojourners, representatives of His kingdom's work. Adopting the principles that are set forth as the guidelines for living the Christian life, will present a testimony to others around us that we have a different look on life. We have a different uh, respect for the things of life. We have a peace that they may lack if they see that reflected in our life. They too may come to know Christ as Savior.